The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning and welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Is your small business stuck? And here it is, it's October, you're looking at the next year and you're thinking, this wasn't a very good year to begin with, how am I ever going to meet the goals I have for 2014? Well, our guest today, Barry Moltz, gets business owners growing again by helping them unlock their potential. Barry is the host of Business Insanity Radio. He writes regular columns for American Express Open Forum and for he has appeared on The Big Idea with Danny Deutsch, MSNBC's Your Business, and NPR's The Tavis Smiley Show. He is also the author of several best-selling books, You Need to Be a Little Crazy, The Truth About Starting and Growing Your Business, Isn't That the Truth, Bam, and Bounce. And he's recently released a new book called Small Town Rules. Welcome to the show today, Barry. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about businesses getting stuck for just a while. What are some of the most common reasons that businesses do get stuck? I mean, you've been at this for more than 20 years. You've seen all kinds of things. What are some of the most common things that you've seen? Well, people get stuck because when they went out and started a business, they had a different expectation, Kelly. They really thought they'd be able to first start it, be passionate about whatever they were selling and providing to a customer, and then really wouldn't have to think about sales or managing employees <laughs> or financial statements or taxes or regulations. And so they get bogged down. Most small businesses today are really stuck around three areas. The first one is sales. How do I keep the customers I have and how do I find new customers? The second area is how do I continue to finance a growing company since it's very difficult, obviously, to get finance from banks. And the third thing, even though unemployment is still very high, Kelly, it's still very difficult to find great people to join your team and fit into your culture. Yes, that's very, very true. And uh, the first one that you mentioned about the regulations and about the administrative side of things, so many business owners have a great idea or they know how to do something really well and don't anticipate all of the, the regulations and all of the administrative burdens that they're going to have to deal with. And, and burnout is, is very common when, when those things take, take effect. There's no question about that. Burnout, it does weigh on people after a long period of time. And most people who get stuck have been at this for three or five or seven years and they don't realize that overnight success, Kelly, usually takes about 10 years. Uh, yeah, there's a business owner that we featured on the cover a couple of years ago and he's been getting all kinds of attention. Uh, he, he's basically a media darling here in Kansas City now, and he laughed at me and he said, you know, it's taken me 19 years to become an overnight success. So absolutely what you say is true. Now, let's talk a little bit about what we can do to get unstuck. Let's follow up on the positive here. You have a formula. I think it's a six-part formula. Can you walk us through oh, those steps? Oh, there, there's always six parts, right? Or seven <laughs> right. parts, five parts. The first thing that most small businesses, when they get stuck around sales, is that they really don't have a good process. You know, I always say that McDonald's isn't the best franchise in the world because the burgers taste so good, even though, I have to tell you, Kelly, the French fries are pretty darn tasty. But even after they, they have... change the oil, yeah. Exactly. 
but, but they have a process, and most small business owners don't have a process around their sales and marketing. They only do sales and marketing when they are low on business, but as soon as they get some business, they stop doing sales and marketing. And so they need to have a process that they can constantly be providing value to customers so they can be there when people are ready to buy. That's why their pipeline is never full. Okay. So you have to have a process to keep people, to keep potential customers coming in. You can't just get complacent and think, oh, I'm hitting my goals this month or I'm hitting my goals this year. So we're, we're in good shape. You, you can never start thinking that way. You have to keep them coming in, having that pipeline full. Absolutely. Because you can never sell anything to anybody, Kelly. You just have to be there when people are ready to buy. And you never quite know when people are going to have the pain and the money to solve the pain. So you've got to be marketing them all the time. Now, I don't mean Groupon marketing where you're constantly marketing their products. I mean giving them something of value, trying to help them with some issue that they're facing in their business or life, depending on what you're selling or marketing. But it's not a hard sell on your products. Right. You know, and I saw something recently that these days, most people, by the time they're ready to buy because of the Internet and because of, of other technology, they already are about 60% of the way through the buying cycle before they ever even contact you, unlike years ago when we could call somebody and start building a case for why they should buy from you. So yeah, we're dealing with a much, a much more savvy consumer these days. Absolutely. 80% of people go online before they're going to buy something. And your goal is what I say, Kelly, is you got to get into the maybe pile you got to be one of those three companies that the prospect is thinking from buying from. If you can get into the maybe pile, your chance of closing is 33%. Mm, yeah, and, and you have to have a process to get into that, that maybe pile. So one of the other things that you really hit home about is how to increase your personal productivity in your staff by 100%, not right. just incrementally, right. but by 100%. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I think that what we confuse these days, we think that we're productive when all we are, Kelly, is just really busy, right? We live mm-hmm. in an interruption-based culture. There's, there's always buzzes and beeps and this and interruptions. And in fact, there are so many interruptions. Our attention span has gotten so short. Some of us look out, look, try to seek those interruptions. So what I tell people is, is is the day, the night before, uh, the next day, think about the two things that you need to get done that have significant effect on your business before you do anything else. And when you get into the office in the morning, take a half hour, an hour, two hours, what it is, do these two things first before you check your email, any of your social media feeds, blogging, your voicemail, because guess what? Those things, Kelly, can hijack your day. Oh, they, they not only can, but most times do for most people. Although uh, I think that doing what you just asked, although I'm sure it, it produces great returns, is going to be a huge habit-changing task for most people, myself included. Not start the day by for two hours looking at email. That's going to take a that's a real challenge. It's going to take some real doing. But I do find personally that when I take a few minutes the night before or the first thing in the morning and say I have to get these three things done, no matter what, you're absolutely right. The day is more productive. So social media, it's changing our businesses, but some companies don't think that social media applies to them. That it's for the restaurants. And it's for the retailers. You mentioned Groupon, you know, that you get the special little offers through your, your prompts on your, um, your text messages for the, you know, the coupon in the area you happen to be driving in. 
What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that social media has a role for all businesses or is it just for certain types of businesses? Oh, I think there's no question. I mean, you know, gossip and people referring other people has always been around. And now we're finding, <laughs> yes. statistics say, that, that people have 140 conversations a week about the products and services they buy. And guess what? Now they're sharing them online. People trust online reviews now more than they trust any kind of advertising or spokesperson advertising from the company. So what social media does is it encourages sharing and every company has to understand what are people saying about me and how do I manage my reputation online. Yeah. Interestingly, a lot of companies don't even know that there is a conversation going on about them on social media. And sometimes they're alerted by another customer or a friend that sees a bad review. And then they try to go into damage mode and start refuting. I mean, I've seen some of these online and they get very defensive and it backfires on them. How would you advise a company that's received an unfavorable review online? What would you advise them to do? Well, the first thing, Kelly, what you can't do is ignore. That's just that's just a bad strategy. What you mm-hmm. need to do is you go online, the, ma- the manager, the owner responds shows some empathy, shows that they're listening, tries to find out what went wrong and says they're going to do better. If you want to know who does this really well, go on TripAdvisor, some of the very, very well-run and well-reviewed hotels in the country, and the general managers are always on there. If someone has a bad day, apologizing, talking about it, seeing what they can do to make sure that that customer has a better time. So the key thing is you've got to be able to respond. Yes, and, and again, it's so important that you go out to Yelp, that you go out to Google, you go out to these various places. Even if you're not very active on social media, you at least need to go to these major places and check them out every once in a while and find out what's being said. Because if you're not watching that, it does just look like you're ignoring them. And in fact, you just might not even know that the conversation's happening. So, okay, let's turn to a completely different angle right now. You're an angel investor. You've been involved with several different angel funds. And right now we're hearing a lot about crowdfunding, crowdsourcing. What are your thoughts on this new funding vehicle? Is it for every business? Well, first of all, I used to be an angel investor, but then I sent my kids to college. So (laughs) that that now has taken, uh, I'm I'm investing in my children. But crowdfunding is a very, very interesting way, but it really is not, in my opinion, the panacea for everybody. If you're trying to raise a small amount of money, let's say $10,000 or less, Kelly, and you already have a network, the crowdfunding uh, platforms like Indiegogo or Kickstarter are a great way to organize and activate your support base. However, if you're trying to raise fifty, a hundred thousand, or a million dollars, and you have no friends, that's not going to work for you. <laughs> right. Okay. So, it, if in certain instances, it is a good thing, and you have to have a wide network to begin with. But for most businesses, it is not the answer that we've been hearing so much about because ten thousand dollars, and you can get micro loans for ten thousand dollars too. So, you might look at some other funding vehicles. Now, I talked about all the different books that you've written, and your latest one is Small Town Rules. Tell us what that's about. Well, the reason that we wrote Small Town Rules was really in response to the Great Recession of 2008, where things for small business owners and for uh, most Americans really went into the toilet. 25% of all wealth was lost during a, a handful of months. And so what we did was we took the lessons that small businesses in small towns 
Democrats have really been utilizing for a lot of years to be successful because disasters in small town are really nothing new. So we took their lessons and we applied them to all small businesses all around the country. So talk to us about some of the lessons that you learned from these small towns and what businesses across the country can do to implement them. Sure. So one of the first things we talked about was our rule number one, of course, in this case, Taylor, there are seven rules. You had to plan for zero. You had to understand that there will be tough times ahead. And I think until the Great Recession, we've had some little dips in the country, but in the long term, things have always gone up. Maybe they dip for a year or two, but now we have to realize that, guess what? They may not always go up, so you really need to save something for a rainy day. You've got to understand the seasons and cycles in your business and mm-hmm. invest a long term. Just always don't look for that next shiny object, because just like me, I suffer from that shiny object thing. <laughs> I always want to get that new thing, and you just can't do that. Right. Okay, so that's one lesson, uh, and, and I suppose that, you know, being small town, you say that they're they're going through these ups and downs all the time. One of the things that they face is a lack of a workforce. We hear all the time about the small town population that, that the kids grow up and they move to the larger cities, to the more urban areas. Same is true for small businesses, I would suspect, is Absolutely. that you're, you're competing against these larger companies with so many more benefits and it's very difficult to find a workforce that will really help you reach the goals that you've set. So talk to us about that. Well, you know, uh, small businesses and small towns that face this all the time, they're one of the first ones that really took advantage of Internet broadband, where they were actually utilizing employees and skills in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. And now with the Internet, you really can work anywhere, anywhere, right? You can have yes. customers in any part of the world. You can have employees work with you in any part of the world. And you can do any kind of work shifting or time shifting you want. You can answer your email at midnight or six o'clock in the morning. So there's a lot of flexibility really to be location independent. And that's what small town business has been doing for a lot of years. True, true. Okay. So if you can't find the people that you need then leverage technology, that is, that is uh, one piece of, that's one thing that you can take advantage of in order to make up for the, the, maybe the lack of workforce. Now, if people had to, who are listening, if they could do just one thing going into 2014 to have a better year than they did in 20. 2013. What do you think that could be? My biggest thing is that, well, can I give you two things? Absolutely. Okay. So, so the first thing is you've got to make sure that you're focusing on the pain of the customer and you have the people that actually can pay to solve that pain. It's a problem for a lot of small businesses because they do what they're interested in rather than focusing on the customer's pain. In any mm-hmm. economy, Kelly, people buy painkillers. They always don't buy vitamins. So if you're focusing on solving the customer's pain and those people have the money to solve the pain, you'll always have sales. The second thing is most small businesses don't focus on cash flow, they're too busy focusing on revenue. And I always say sales is vanity, cash flow is sanity. If you don't know how to read your financial statement, which when I ran my businesses, I didn't. And I had an MBA from Northwestern University. If you don't know how to do that, make sure that you understand and can read your financial statements every single month and understand at the end of the month, you have more cash flow or less cash flow because that's what grows a profitable business. You know, that of all the things that you've said here today, it, that is one of the most common things I hear, but I think it's also one of the hardest for business owners to get their arms around. And I've seen more business owners at the end of the day go out of business because they were so focused on the revenue that they didn't understand what it was costing them to bring that revenue in and therefore they had no cash flow to pay the bills that they needed to satisfy before they could ever get to this higher level. And I just, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's something that people need to hear, business owners need to hear over and over and over again. 
All right. We talked about two things that you can do to leverage 2014's growth. I know that you're not an economist, but sitting where we are here today uh, with a, the debt ceiling, you know, possibly in crisis and with a number of other uh, tests, so to speak, on, on the economy, what do you think 2014 is going to look like? Well, I mean, listen, if, if the government doesn't get in the way uh, <laughs> and we don't know really what will happen, I think it can be a pretty good year. There's a lot of pent-up demand, you know, for, you know, uh, real estate and cars and a lot of, uh, you know, big-ticket items. I think that most small business owners really have great recession fatigue, so they're yes. stopping complaining. They're realizing, hey, this is a $16 trillion economy. There's got to be one or two more customers out there for me. So I think if they stop listening to the nightly news, I think they'll be okay. You no, know, that's exactly right. I mean, in previous recessions, we didn't have the 24-7 news cycle that just kept pounding the word recession into your head and the psychological impact that that has on business owners. And just to ignore it, and if you're going to be in this game, then you're going to be in this game. Go out there and play it. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Barry. Anybody who wants to buy any of your four books, where would they go to do that? Oh, just go on Amazon and uh, you can get any of them. Okay. And if you, uh, if anybody listening would like to hire you as a speaker, because you do uh, obviously train, where would they get a hold of you to do that? Just go to my website, which is www.barrymolt.com, B-A-R-R-Y-M-O-L-T-Z.com. If you'd like to try to get your business unstuck, you can go to www.barrymolt.com slash unstuck. Okay. And you have a radio show as well. You'll find all that information on your website too? Absolutely, Kelly. Barry, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate all of your insights. Kelly, thanks for having me. And for all of those who would like to learn more about growing your business, you can visit ithinkbigger.com and use some of the resources that are out there on our website. You can also follow us on Twitter at ithinkbigger, and you can also follow our Facebook page, Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.